you have your Bibles with you, your copy of God's Word, please turn to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. We will be looking at verse 19 today. Some of you might know this as the Great Commission. Last week, we looked at the submission of of ourselves to the Lord. Really, this thought that Jesus Christ leaves us with, that he has all authority in heaven and upon earth, that we are to lay our lives down to our master, that he has authority over us. Today, we'll see in God's word that he also has a command to us. And his command to us flows from his authority over us. You might say, well, where did you get that? We get that from the last words of Jesus Christ here in Matthew. Matthew 28, and I will begin reading in verse 16. Then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen, the Bible says. Jesus Christ has authority in our life. That's that's what Matthew, God's word, is communicating to us. And here's the struggle that we have. If we do not believe that Jesus Christ has authority, then we will not listen to his commands. So if you say, well, I don't know if Christ has authority, you're probably not going to listen to what Jesus Christ has to say. But if you've grown up in church and you, wouldn't, you would not dispute the fact that he has authority, but if you don't think that Jesus Christ has authority in your life, you will not obey his commands. And there's a big difference between listening to the commands of Jesus Christ and obeying the commands of Jesus Christ, is there not? He has authority upon heaven and upon earth. He has authority upon my life and he has commands to us. To God be the glory. Let's pray. Father, your word speaks life into dry souls. And Lord, I I know that there are people in here that have walked to worship today just dry, worn down by life. Lord, I pray that you will restore, you will renew to them the joy of your salvation today. Lord, I know that there have been people that have walked in here today rejoicing because of the joy that you have already given them. Lord, I pray that you increase their joy or fan into flame the spirit within them. Lord, I also know there are some in here that probably doubt. Lord, I pray that Jesus Christ will become real to them today. That the savior of the world will be their savior that they will hear your voice, they will hear your word, and that they will submit to the authority of Jesus Christ, the one who loves us so. Father, may we seek you, may we serve you, may we love you because you loved us first. 
And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen and amen. So today, my topic will be this, his command to you. And Jesus Christ encourages us to become on mission with him. So what is this great commission? Some of you know this verse as as the great commission. And if you go through history and try to find where that term comes from, we're not exactly sure. We do know that the missionary to China, Hudson Taylor in the 1800s, um, emphasized the great commission. That is a charge to Christians of Jesus Christ. So what is that great commission? Some of you know that by heart. Go, therefore, and make disciples of where? Of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to, we're going to journey together in that verse. So the question we ask ourselves is this. How do we live in light of the cross? How do we live in light of the cross? And God, how do we live on mission in light of the cross? And that's not just a question we asked in 2016. That's a question that the disciples are asking themselves right here in this context. And you say, well, why would they ask that? Well, look at verse 16 really quick as we give some context to this. Then the 11 disciples went away. Find anything strange with that verse? Then the 11 disciples, how many disciples were there? So what happened to the one? One betrayed Christ and could not live with what he had done and he hung himself. So can you imagine being the disciples that were left there knowing that one is missing? What would that cause in your life? Doubts, uncertainty. And that continues here in the scripture, verse 17. When they had saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And maybe you find yourself there sometimes. I know God is real. I know what he's done to me, but Lord, I just doubt sometimes. Lord, how can I live on mission for you? God, if you say go make disciples, how can I do that? That is a question that has been asked for 2,000 years. That's the question we're going to answer today. Verse 19, we begin here. The great task and great burden that we have as Christians is this. Go, therefore, and make disciples. Make disciples. So what is a disciple? A disciple is someone who follows another person or a way of life. And not just follows, but submits himself to the discipline or teaching of the leader. So a disciple is someone who submits himself to the teacher. So if we are going to make disciples for Christ, we have to be what ourselves? Disciples. Because I cannot make something that I myself am not willing to do. So what is that, Lord? How can we, how can we become disciples? How can we live a life of disciple? I don't think we can do that unless we have the heart of a disciple. Unless you and I have the heart of a disciple. Psalms 37 says, seek the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. But sometimes I don't think we really want the desires of our heart. 
Because if we're honest, sometimes the, desi- the desires of my heart aren't necessarily the desires that God has for me. So I think our prayer should be, God, give me your desires in my heart and then give me the desires of my heart. Lord, give us a burden to make disciples. That should be our heart. Why? Because Jesus Christ leaves us with this commission. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. But we need to be careful because we have to have a heart for Christ. Do you remember the story of the Wizard of Oz? Some of you might might have seen the movie. The story is actually a little more in-depth than the movie. But remember Dorothy going to the forest and she meets this thing frozen and locked up. The Tin Man, we find out. And why was the Tin Man stuck? He was rusty. Why was he rusty? because he was out in the weather. And we find, finally find out once they put oil on him that he tells them what? That he lacks a heart. He lacks a heart. You say, well, what in the world does that have to do with go and make disciples? Because if we don't have a heart for Christ like we need to, I think we, we begin to get into a place where we become religious tin men that we can, we can follow the rules, we can do church, and over time we get a little rusty and we ignore it. Well, Lord, I'm doing your work. I went to Sunday school. I sang songs, Lord, I am, which is a wonderful song. Thank you, choir. But it, it begins to get tired. But we're being religious And slowly but surely we rust and rust and rust away. And then we get to the point where we're stuck. And I believe that the grace of Jesus Christ is like oil to rusty souls. It's oil to rusty souls. So do you have a heart for Christ? Do you have a heart to make disciples? Because without a heart, without a burden that comes from within, we will never be disciple makers. It just won't work. So if you're there and you're a little rusty, if you walked in and you squeak, know that Jesus Christ is the answer for that squeak. And we all know people that squeak a little loud sometimes. If we're honest, sometimes we're that person. If that's you, may we say, Christ, may I I live on mission for you. May I make disciples because I want to be a disciple. I want to be someone who submits to the King of Kings. Lord, give us a heart for that task. Not only must we have a heart, but I think we need a plan for that. We need a plan. The central command of Jesus Christ is to make disciples. Now, this, this fact should not leave us, though. What words are these of Jesus? The last words in Matthew. So th- this is important, right? He's leaving us and saying, before I leave, remember this. Make disciples. I have authority. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them. But be the heart of a discipler be the life, live the life of a disciple maker. 
So Lord, how do we do that? How can we live this out in our life? I love this quote by one of the commentaries. The Holman commentary says this. The heart of our mission is the reproduction in others of what Jesus Christ has produced in us. The heart of our mission is to reproduce what Jesus Christ has produced in us. And you say, well, what is that? It is this. Growth, authority, faith, obedience, compassion, love, and a bold, truthful message as his witness. I'm reminded of what the Apostle Paul says. He says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. He's not saying, I'm perfect, follow me. He's saying, I am broken, I've fallen, but I'll still get up. But I am looking to live my life for Jesus Christ. Follow me. That's a scary thought, is it not? If someone comes to you and says, how can I look like Jesus Christ? Well, follow me. That's the burden that we carry to make disciples say, come alongside of me and I'm gonna struggle. But when I struggle, I want you to see forgiveness that I can find at the cross and you can also find it. Our central burden is to make disciples. Lord, give us that charge. So what does that look like? We have to be purposeful. We have to be purposeful. Are you praying over people in your life that you can bring into your life and say, let me disciple you for the sake of Jesus Christ. And you might say, well, I don't have enough time. Were you asking God to prioritize your life to give you time? By the way, we worship the one who created time. So don't you think he can give you the time you need? You say, well, well, I work a lot. I have kids at home. Join the club. Yet Jesus Christ tells us, make disciples. Be intentionally prayerful. And I found if you pray, God, give me someone to pour into, he will do that in abundance. Are we being intentionally prayerful? Be purposefully active. Are you seeking others to share Christ with? Are you going to places and saying, you know what, do you know Christ if you don't? Let me, let me share him. Oh, you're new to the faith? Well, come alongside of me. And you might say, well, I, I'm a new Christian. Well, good. Do you know that Christ died on the cross and redeemed you from your sins? Well, then share that. Let someone else come alongside of you as you grow in that. And then also, are you planning? If you're not planning to be a disciple maker, we will not be disciple makers. An easy point is the pyramids in Giza. I've actually never been to Egypt. I want to go one day. But the pyramids for the longest time, for over 4,000 years, were the tallest structures in the world. And to give you some facts, or some of you who are engineers, you'll like this. It was constructed using 2.5 million limestone blocks. Each block weighs an average of 2.5 tons. Before cranes, before operators, may our lives be pyramids that point people up to Jesus Christ. Now, how did the pyramids come about? Did the Egyptians get together one day and say, you know what, we're just going to build a pyramid. Let's go. 
Did they pray to their guys and say, you know what? I don't know how we're going to do it, but let's just make it happen. No, they had a plan. What is our, what is our plan for discipleship? Do you have a plan to say, I'm going to intentionally lead other people to the cross of Jesus Christ? And you might be asking, well, did Jesus have a plan? Yes. They were called the disciples. And he spent the formative years of his ministry pouring into 12 men. And even then, one person said, I don't know. Even then, some doubted. Do you have a burden for disciples? Do you have a burden for disciples? That is the task Jesus Christ gives us. So how do we live that out? Verse 19, first we do this. We go. Go, therefore. Now, in the Greek, this is, a, this is an aorist participle. You might say, well, what is that? It's not go. It's not a charge. It is as you go or when you have gone. Jesus assumes that his disciples will go. Jesus assumes that Christ's followers will make disciples. So are you doing that? Are we doing that? Here's, here's something that I've realized. I've lived in Alabama now for two weeks. I remember watching a commercial when they were gearing up for the SEC network. And they had different commercials targeted for different audiences. We live near Louisiana. We live in Louisiana near LSU. But I remember a commercial coming on TV, and the commercial went this way. They followed the life of a Crimson Tide fan. And as this person was going to work, everyone that came up to him was roll tide, roll tide, roll tide. And I said, that, that can't happen. That's not real. That's TV, right? So I go to a local hospital this week, and I have to ride the shuttle from the parking garage to the hospital. It's a three-minute journey at the most. And as I'm sitting there waiting to go, someone comes on the bus, looks at the bus, and says, Roll Tide. Someone else comes on the bus wearing this red-looking shirt with an A. By the way, was there a game this week that I missed? <laughs> Roll Tide. I'm like, are you kidding me? So I just start praying, Lord. A third person gets on the bus. Roll Tide. And I realized that wasn't a made-for-TV commercial. And then I realized this. I don't think Alabama fans wake up every morning and say, Lord, if you tell me to say roll tide, I'm going to do it today. That is assumed. Jesus Christ assumes that his followers will get up every day and look at the world and say, follow Jesus. We shouldn't have to get on our knees and say, Lord, if you want me to, I will share your name. I will make disciples. It is assumed. It is commanded. Why are we not doing it? How do we make disciples, Lord? He says, verse 19, go. That's his way of saying, get up. Get up and do this. What Jesus Christ is not saying he is not saying we have to go cross geographical borders. That might be true. 
Sometimes we think of, of the Great Commission, well, I, Lord, if you want me to go to a far, to far lands, I'll go. And sometimes I think Christ tells us, no, Josh, I don't want you to go to China today. I want you to go to your neighbor. But Lord, you, don't, you didn't hear me. I prayed, Lord, if, if you send me across the ocean, I will make disciples. Lord, you say go, I will get on an airplane. I will go anywhere. Josh, go your neighbor. But Lord, I'll go anywhere, Josh. Go to your coworker. But Lord, I'll do out the Himalayas. Josh, your son needs you. He needs to know about me. Are you willing to go? We make disciples by going. That is not a geographical process. He is saying, quit being inactive. Go. Do. Start. We don't have to pray that prayer. He gives it to us. It's commanded. Verse 19, go, therefore, make disciples. We don't have to to cross geographical boundaries. My prayer, though, is this for our church, that everyone will have a passport. So if you're here and you don't have a passport, get one. If you need help in that, we'll help you. And if the Lord does not call us away, we can hold on to that and pray and say, God, if you do, I'm ready. God, I'm ready though. But we don't necessarily have to cross those boundaries. But Jesus Christ commands us to go and cross boundaries. Look who he says go to. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Why does Jesus Christ not say countries? Why does he not say political entities? Because he's sharing with a Jewish audience that you need to break down the barriers in your heart and your mind to go to everyone. Jesus is really saying this. There is no one in your life that is not worthy of eternal life. Jesus Christ is actually telling the disciples, look in the mirror, disciples. If I can save you, I can save them. And we all have that, don't we? Jesus Christ demonstrated that in his life. Think about the ones that he went to, the tax collectors. He healed Gentiles. He walked into Samaritan territory, territory that people would walk around, and he walked into a well. He talked to a woman at this well, a woman of a poor reputation, and he spoke to her heart and said, if you knew the person that you asked for water, I would give you living water. Jesus Christ broke down those boundaries. So I ask you, what, what boundaries are in your life right now that you say that prevent you from, from going and being a disciple? What boundaries? Do you, we all have those boundaries. What are they? Maybe if you're on the other side of retirement, you look at young people and say, I just don't have anything in common. The youth, they speak a different language. They act different. Christ demolished those boundaries. Maybe you're young and you look at the other side of the spectrum and you say, man, those old people, I don't get them. But Christ died for them. Christ died for them. Are you going? Maybe your boundaries are are ethnic. You say, well, Lord, 
I just struggle with, with terrorists. I struggle with people that have ill intent. Did Christ not die for terrorists? That's been a hard truth in my life because I look on the news and I, I see people striping bombs to their chest and, and the Westerner in me says, Lord, destroy them. The Christian in me says, but Christ, didn't you die for them? Lord, I know if they submit themselves to the King of Kings, that bomb will be set down and they will, they will seek the foot of the cross. Lord, tear those boundaries down. Go make disciples. How do we go? By getting out of our seat. Quit being passive. Go, therefore. How else do we make disciples? Look at verse 19. Go, therefore, make disciples of all the nations. All the nations. We currently have in our world 11,504 people groups in the world. A little over 11,000 people groups. We have 6,800 of these people groups that have less than 2% evangelical population. We have 3,000 of these people groups with they are unreached or unengaged. So we have 3,000 people groups in the world that have no known Christian influence. That should break our hearts. Jesus Christ commands us to go to the nations. Go to the nations. It is significant that Matthew and the Gospels spend the last of this scripture to go to the Gentiles, to go to the nations. Are you willing? We have several trips already lined up this year as a church. And my prayer is that one day God will call people here away. Away from this church. You say, well, pastor, are you kicking me out? No, but we have 3,000 people groups that need to know about Jesus Christ. And I pray that we will be part of the group that is sent. Are you willing? Are you ready? We are called to make disciples. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations. The missionary John Keith Falconer says it this way. He says, I have but one candle of life to burn and I would rather burn it in a land filled with darkness than a land flooded with light. He says, I would rather it burn out in a land filled with darkness than a land flooded with light. And my heart is this, in the neighborhood that you live in is not an unreached people group because you're there. Your neighborhood has a missionary in it. It's you. It's you. And if you want want your pastor or the staff here to come help you share Christ with your neighbor, we are all for that. But how dare us pray, God, send send someone to share Christ with my neighbor when God has put my neighbor next to me for his glory. Are we willing to go to the nations? Lord, may we be sent. May we have the burden of a disciple maker. How? We go. How? 
We go to where? We go to the nations. And we also go here. Look at verse 19. Go, therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We make disciples by baptizing. Why is that important? Well, pastor, does baptism save me? No, Jesus Christ saves me. So what is baptism? Baptism is the public display of our obedience. The public display of your obedience. So if you're here and you've never been baptized, as God's word commands us to, and you say, well, pastor, I'm saved. Well, how can I say I follow Jesus Christ if I'm not willing to follow Jesus Christ? And those are the head games we play, right? Lord, I believe you. I know you died on the cross for my sins, but I will follow you anywhere but across the street. Lord, I will be obedient to you anywhere, but you know I'm scared of water, Lord. Father, you know I'm terrified of people. I don't want them watching me. And Christ says, if you acknowledge me before man, pastor, I will acknowledge you before my heavenly father. You have nothing to be afraid of. Are you willing to be obedient to Jesus Christ? If you've never been faithful in that way, in a couple of weeks, we will have a baptism service. We are, we are ready and we are prepared for you. So see someone at the church after the, the sermon or come forward. But we make disciples by baptizing, by telling people it's not enough just to say you follow Christ. We have to show it. We have to live it. If you've been baptized and you say, I'm checking out. I've, been, I've done that. This is not just a call for baptism. This is a call to a lifetime of obedience. A lifetime of obedience. So are, am I living a life worthy of the baptism I've claimed? Not for myself, but for Jesus Christ. Are you being obedient? Are you being obedient? What is baptism? Romans 6, 4 says that we are baptized unto his death and we are raised in newness of life. But isn't that what the Christian should look like? That I, every day I say, Lord, I am sacrificing myself and I am raised in new life. 1 Corinthians 5 says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. Behold, the new has come. What is that verse? That is a capsule of a lifestyle of baptism. We call people to obedience. Do you have the heart of a disciple? The heart of a disciple says, Lord, I know you have died on the cross for my sins. Lord, I believe as the scriptures tell us that, that all have sinned and I'm one of those. I have sinned, I have fallen short of the glory of God. And sin is not just a, I can't believe you did that. Sin is a, my relationship is forever broken. I cannot have a relationship with God because of my sin. And yet, while I was still a sinner, Jesus Christ died for me. That if I believe in my heart that he rose from the dead, if I confess with my mouth that he is Lord, I will be saved. And the scriptures remind us that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved.
Have you done that? If you have not, you can't be a disciple. You say, well, pastor, I've been a member here for 105 years. That's great. But the scary reality is there are gonna be church members in hell. They say, Lord, I, I was a church member. And he's gonna say, did you follow my son? Did you know him? Lord, I went to Bethel. Bethel means the house of God. Were you a disciple of my son? Have you surrendered yourself to Jesus Christ? Do you have the heart of a disciple? We're gonna have a time of invitation. If you have never made that commitment to Christ, I pray today will be the day of your salvation. I pray today that will be a day where this becomes real, that when Jesus Christ speaks to you and says, make disciples, you can say, Lord, I know I want to do that because I'm a disciple. Maybe you're here today and, and you're a Christ follower, but you've just been a little lazy. All right. You started off strong. The, the spirit of God was working in you, but now as a tin man, you, you kind of lost your heart for Christ and you walked in here and you squeak. Maybe you had to, someone had to wheel you in here because you're stuck. Know that Jesus Christ can get you unstuck spiritually. May we quit playing the religious game and say, Lord, I need a breath of your spirit. Maybe you just need to come today and, and lay that at the altar and say, Lord, I'm tired of squeaking. I'm tired. Oh, I can't do it. I need Jesus Christ. Lord, I need to know that you have all authority in my life. Lord, I need to live that out. Maybe you're here today and you see the command. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and you have not yet been faithful there. What are you waiting for? We will walk with you. You say, well, I'm scared. That's what we're here for. That's what we're here for. I know that the strength of God will give you the courage. So if you've never been faithful to that, if you've never shown the world that you are surrendering your life to Christ, won't you do that in faith? Lastly, who are you bringing to the Lord? Who are you looking at and saying, follow me as I follow Christ? God's word commands me to make disciples. I need to do that. Lord, give me someone. Whether it's my grandson, whether it's my son, whether it's my neighbor, Lord, whether it's someone at work, Father, give me someone to make a disciple of for your glory, for your namesake. If everyone here makes a disciple one for Jesus Christ, we're gonna have to build a new building because these walls will not contain the worship that we would have. Just one, just one. May we be disciple makers.